We have made it to the last Sunday in November, and today we will be looking at the last chapter in Daniel. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12 will bring our time in Daniel to a close this fall. So a couple of months ago, when we started this journey through Daniel, we saw the book open with Jerusalem defeated, the temple defiled, and God's people carried into exile. And we asked this question, the question looming over the whole book of Daniel is this, does God still rule? Is God still king? And in the first several chapters, we've watched Daniel and his friends living in exile, trusting that the answer to these questions is yes. Yes, God is still king. Though they are captive, they remain faithful to God as they serve even their enemies there. And then the second half of the book contains a number of these wild visions that we've been looking through the last several weeks that Daniel received. These visions filled with all kinds of chaos and calamity and war. But the very first of these visions in Daniel chapter 7 depicted God, the Ancient of Days, seated on a throne, exercising judgment over the monsters that sought to destroy the world. Once more, showing us that, yes, God is still on the throne. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. But over the past couple of weeks, we've been working our way through Daniel's final and longest vision, spanning from chapters 10 all the way to the end of the book. It began in chapter 10 while Daniel was standing by the bank of a river. He was fasting and mourning. And by this time, Daniel is a very old man, probably in his 90s. Many of his people at this time had started returning to Jerusalem out of exile. Perhaps peace was finally coming, right? Daniel could only hope. But then this messenger appeared to him and shared the long narrative of chapter 11 that we looked at last week. Though God's people would, in fact, return to their land for generations, they would continue to be caught between wars of the north and the south. And then a contemptible person would arise to power, target God's people, and desecrate God's temple once more. And the vision concluded with this evil king ultimately coming to an end. But the question remains, what will happen to God's people? What will come of them? What about all of the suffering that they've endured for all of this time? How will they recover? Will they recover? 
Once more, that question looms. Is God still king? What will his reign look like? Well, that is the question that this final chapter of Daniel responds to. In it, we hear the end of this final vision, and then one last interaction between Daniel and this messenger by the river. So let's read Daniel chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, Roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. And then I, Daniel, looked. And there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river, one on the opposite bank. And one of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be? before these astonishing things are fulfilled. The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times, and half a time. When the power of the holy people is finally broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless, and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of your word and for this good news of life that is to come. 
God, I pray that as we consider the words of your scripture together this morning, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this final chapter of Daniel includes the end of the vision that we've been looking at for the past few weeks. And then there's this exchange of a couple of questions asked and responses given. The vision concludes with these images of darkness and light. And then the first question response includes words about brokenness and completion. And the second question response includes a call to wait and reach. So let's look at each one of these in turn. First, the conclusion of the vision. It begins in darkness. Remember all of the chaos and the calamities that we were whisked through in the previous chapter right? War after war, persecution and annihilation. Many have suffered. Many have died all unjustly. It's a dark time. And in chapter 12, verse 1, we are told that there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. So as bad as things have been, the worst is yet to come. As dark as things have been, there is yet a darker darkness. Now the narrative quickly moves from darkness to light so that by the end of verse 1, we've already heard about deliverance. But before we rush there, which I'm sure we want to, I want to point something out. Though verse 1 speaks of this darkness and distress, the verse begins like this. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. At that time. It's not sometime after this darkness and distress, but at the same time as this darkness and distress, that protection arises for God's people. This is a word of hope, and it is a call to trust. In the midst of the darkness, God is fighting for his people. In the midst of the darkness, God is fighting for you. Right in the middle of the most hopeless, dark, and distressing circumstances, God is fighting for his people. You are not alone. We are not alone in the midst of the dark. I want you to consider the darkest season of life that you have faced. Maybe at some time past, perhaps you're right in the middle of it now. Right 
in the middle of that dark time. Right now, here in the middle of this darkness, God is fighting for you. God is contending for you, defending you, protecting you. Maybe the most distressing thing in your life is not your circumstances. Perhaps it's the overwhelming state of the world as you look around and see the chaos of current events. That's precisely the kind of darkness and distress that Daniel had just witnessed in chapter 11. As war upon war built into mass chaos. And yet it is at that time that the protector of God's people arises. We cannot see the fullness of all that is happening in heaven or on earth, but this image is a word of hope for us. That even in the darkness, God is protecting his people. And we can trust him. All of this leads to the last part of verse 1. At that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. There's this very personal image of a book with names. It reminds me very much of how Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. He knows our name and we know his voice. This is this personal and tender encounter as God delivers those whose names are in his book. And so what will this deliverance look like? Well, verses 2 and 3 describe multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who arise are wise, will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The darkness will give way to light as death gives way to resurrection. This verse in Daniel chapter 12 is unique in all of the Old Testament. There are occasional places in the Psalms or the prophets where images or metaphors are used that hint at resurrection, but this is the only place in all of the Old Testament that plainly speaks of and promises resurrection for the people of God. This hope that we have. 
The book of Daniel speaks here of what Paul will elaborate on later. You see, deliverance is not merely from Babylon or Persia or Greece. It is not from the kings of the north and the south or the contemptible ruler. The ultimate enemy is not Rome back then or Russia today or any person or nation. No, as Paul writes, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The injustice of suffering and death will at last be made right as God's people who slept in dust are awakened to everlasting life. And the darkness is displaced with bright, shining light, like the brightness of the heavens, like the stars forever and ever. This is an overwhelming vision of brightness and hope. It is greater and bigger than anything Daniel had ever imagined. And so slowly, the brightness of this vision fades, and Daniel is once more standing at the bank of the river where he was at the start of chapter 10. And in addition to Daniel and this messenger over the waters, there are two others who appear now on each side of the river. And the remainder of the chapter contains two exchanges each one a question and a response. One of the others, standing on the bank of the river, asks the first question in verse 6. How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? How long will it be? Very likely these two figures are some other kind of angelic beings who are witnessing this vision. I love that the question comes from them. That the heavens are longing for this day of redemption just like we are. And so they ask, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? And the messenger over the waters lifts both hands toward heaven and offers an appropriately apocalyptic response. It will be for a time, times, and half a time when the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. What are we to make of this response? What does this mean? Once more in this response, we see this contrast between darkness and light, right? We, we see that the power of the holy people will be broken. That's a picture of darkness. But then all of these things will be completed. The brightness of light. The power of the holy people will be broken. Then all of these things will be completed. That's probably not the answer that anyone wanted to hear, right? We want to be delivered from brokenness, not through it. 
And yet, it appears that deliverance is not from brokenness, but precisely through it. This is how deliverance will be accomplished. And what are we to make of these cryptic numbers showing up once more in the midst of Daniel? A time, times, and half a time. There seem to be as many interpretations as there are interpreters for this. Uh, Typically, however, this phrase has come to be understood as a way of saying three and a half, right? So we have a time, times, and half a time, which adds up to three and a half. That's typically how this has been understood. And some take this literally as a reference to some future time, usually combined with all kinds of other numbers found throughout the Bible, from Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelation, all put into some very complicated timetable, to add up to some precise date in the future. This is how people have tried to predict the end of the world. Uh, It's happened multiple times, and so far it's always seemed to be wrong. Um, Others take this number literally also, as referring to a past event that was described somewhere among the calamities of chapter 11, which I think is a bit more convincing. Some of the persecutions against the Jews described in chapter 11 did, in fact, last for about three and a half years. That could be possible. But can I offer a symbolic interpretation? of what this might be suggesting. Most of us are aware that the number seven is an important, significant number throughout Scripture, often referring to fullness or to completion, right? Seven days fill out the week. We see this multiple times throughout Scripture, this this image of seven or seventy being a a picture of fullness. Well, three and a half is half of seven, right? It's right there in the middle of seven. You see, we would expect all of this talk of the end and deliverance and completion to come at the end of seven times. But instead, the messenger says that it will be a time, times, and half a time three and a half. It seems what might be being suggested here is that unexpectedly in the middle of history, the power of the holy people will be broken and all these things will be completed. And from our vantage point, thousands of years later, This is precisely what has happened. Unexpectedly, in the middle of history, the power of God came to earth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then that power was broken on the cross. And it is precisely when he was breaking 
that Jesus cried out, it is finished. It is completed. Right in the middle of history. And then he died. And the light shined in the darkness. But the darkness did not overcome it. For right there, right in the middle of history, resurrection already started bursting forth. On the third day, Jesus rose again, defeating death and beginning the end of Daniel's vision. Truly, Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. Right in the middle of history, the end has already begun. Right in the middle of history, resurrection is already filling the earth. God's everlasting kingdom is already being established on earth as it is in heaven. Perhaps this is what the messenger hints at in his response. Time, times, and half a time. The power of God's holy people will be broken, and then all these things will be completed. But in verse 8, Daniel responds, I heard, but I didn't understand. Probably we don't fully understand either. And so Daniel asks another question. My Lord, what will the outcome of all of this be? You see, Daniel is asking for information. What's going to happen? How is this all going to work out? But instead, what he receives is instruction. The response is simply, go your way, Daniel. Go your way, Daniel. So often we are looking for information. We want to know what's going to happen, but God merely gives us instruction, showing us how to live in the midst of not knowing what's going to happen. Daniel is assured that many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. And then we encounter a couple more cryptic numbers in verses 11 and 12, right? We've got 1,290 days and then 1,335 days. And once more, scholars make all sorts of observations about these numbers, and it's interesting they add up to approximately three and a half years, right? That's interesting. But the meaning seems to be this. Troubles will persist for the 1,290 days. But blessed is the one who waits for and reaches beyond that to the 1,335 days. Do you hear what's being said here? Once more in these strange numbers, we see an invitation to something bigger something greater than we've imagined or thought of to begin with. I want you to hear this. Our hope is not only for the end of suffering. 
but for the deliverance beyond it. We are saved not only from sin, but for righteousness. We are delivered not only from death, but into everlasting life. This is the good news of God's everlasting kingdom. For too long, we have been a 1,290 days kind of people, focused only on the end of our problems, only on the end of our struggles with sin, only on the end of bad things. But God calls us to be a 1,335 days kind of people with sights set beyond our problems, beyond sin, with sights set on his kingdom, his righteousness, his power and his glory forever and ever. We need a bigger picture of what God's kingdom is all about. That seems to be the invitation here. So what does it look like to live in that kingdom in this way? It is at once more glorious and more simple than we might think. Verse 13 is the messenger's final word to Daniel, and it is a final word for us as well. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. The call on Daniel and on us is to go your way till the end. Continue to live faithfully in your daily life. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep seeking his kingdom. And for us, as followers of Jesus, we know that in him the light has already pierced the darkness. We know that resurrection has already begun. So as we follow him, we live as light in the midst of darkness. This is what Paul means when he writes in Ephesians, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Faithfully follow the Lord until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of your days, you will rise to receive everlasting life in God's everlasting kingdom. So the question over the book of Daniel has been, Is God still king? Does God still rule? 
And the answer over and over and over again has been, yes, God is king. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. The only question remains is this. What kingdom do you serve? What king do we worship? What kingdom do you serve? What kingdom do you live for? Do you build up the kingdom of yourself? Do you insist on your own way? Do you seek your own comfort and cravings? Or perhaps we are swept up into the various kingdoms of this world that are swirling and warring all around us, pledging allegiance to the kings of the north or the kings of the south, swept up into the narrative of daily news and headlines, following the latest trends, worshiping the gods of politics, consumerism, power, influence, appearance, all the would-be kings of our day. What kingdom do you serve? What king do you worship? Is it a kingdom that ultimately leads to shame and everlasting contempt, as we read? The kind of shame that cripples your conscience? The kind of contempt that turns everyone else into an enemy? Or do you serve an everlasting kingdom that leads to everlasting life? Our only hope in life and in death is Jesus Christ. The light in the darkness Who has overcome death? He is the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Amen.